HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Byright, a family-owned San Francisco-grown market. For more information, visit buyrightmarket.com. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with the one woman show that turned back pocket pasta, the hashtag, into a, a cultural phenomenon, really. Thank you. Clue Henry, thank you so much for being on. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It's, it's kind of funny. This is the flip side of the coin for you. Someone mm-hmm. who dealt so long in PR and marketing gets to market herself. Yeah, it's been a trip in, in a great way. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. From crazy social media vehicles like Instagram, you you started this little project, Mm -hmm. Back Pocket Pasta, uh, you know, out of your own cupboards, pantries. Uh, What was it? A a drunken night at home, a late night snack, just a way to satiate yourself and feed you you and your husband? Pasta is my favorite food. Um, Always has been. I think probably always will be. Asian is a close second. But, um, you know, that's just... I was coming home working really long hours and wanted to put a bowl of noodles in front of my face and didn't really want to have to go out and start shopping. And usually my pantry is pretty well stocked and my fridge is relatively, you know, filled with seasonal ingredients. And I was able to start sort of pulling these dishes together really quickly. And it was really satisfying and um, a lot of fun. And I started taking pictures of them because I'm a big Instagram person. Love it. Um, My husband thinks I love it too much, but... (laughs) It's okay. I try to try to curb my enthusiasm. Um, and I started hashtagging it on Instagram, and um, it kind of just took off. You know, the hashtag um, it, in of, it, of itself is a cultural phenomenon. And the, the way that it can generate and exponentially grow, mm-hmm. I mean, like that, uh, I mean, this has always been ingrained in, in you. Yep. Let's, let's talk about you being a native New Yorker and your yeah. Italian heritage. This is the way that 
you cooked, mm-hmm. your, your parents cooked, your noni cooked. Yes. So, um, yeah, I was born actually um, in Greenwich Village uh, in the late 70s and um, was raised in the suburbs in Rockland County. And we, my grandmother actually lived with us growing up, um, which is very old school, I think. Um, to a lot of people, I think in the Italian, American Italian uh, community, it's probably pretty normal, but I you know, it wasn't, I didn't know anything else. So, um, we grew up, you know, having Sunday sauce every Sunday and, you know, having her tuna clam sauce, not why sure why she added the tuna to the clams, but it worked. <laughs> um, and you know, eating marinara, you know, a couple times a week. And it was sort of these ingredients that were cheap to get. And, you know, a lot of the fish was, you know, out of cans. And I think that she learned that from her, her parents, they came over, um, from Italy, um, in the late, uh, 1800s and, um, spoke no English and had a lot of children and, and no money. So I think a lot of these recipes were sort of based out of need to feed a lot of mouths and, um, doing it on the cheap. So, I mean, you had this your whole life, your grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, lived to be 102. Yes. So this wasn't just like, oh, I remember as a little kid doing this. Right. I mean, this was every Sunday. This was yep. more than tradition. Yep, absolutely. This was passed on through generations. It definitely was. And it was really interesting because I think um, my great-grandmother's name is Kalu, or was nicknamed Kalu as well. My my given name is Maria Nicola. She was also named Maria Nicola. And affectionately, my great-grandfather nicknamed her Nicolucha, and somehow it got shortened to Kalu, and I'm Kalu. Um, she... You know, I think that all of this just kind of... Sorry, will you repeat that? I totally <laughs> forgot where we were going. No, no, I mean, keep on going and talk affectionately about yeah. your noni. Because, yeah. I mean, that that's where this, you know, foreign idea of yeah. a hashtag, yep. you know, it transported sure. generations and years. Yeah. So so they they spoke no English. And, you know, essentially, I think that my, my grandmother learned to cook by watching her. And that was the same thing that my, my mother and her brothers did, too. You know, she never really wrote anything down. Um, and my uncle would start sort of, you know, following her around the kitchen and watching her put these dishes together, like putnesca um, and um, pasta fagiole and all these things, which are, are all based out of pretty much a can of tomatoes, some garlic, olive oil, and onion, um, and was able to sort of capture um, what she was doing. So um, it was a really nice you know, thing to grow up around, you know, it was sort of everything was based around the kitchen, people wanted to be around the stove, you know, we, you know, do Feast of the Seven Fishes, you know, every, every Christmas. So it was just sort of this instilled in me from a very young age that, you know, the kitchen was the place you wanted to be. And you could pull something together really beautifully. And, you know, for not a lot of money. I mean, tell me about the aroma of waking up to meatballs with Pecorino. I'm going to tell you something. It was the goddamn best. <laughs> you'd like kind of like be sleeping. You'd be sleeping. You'd open your eyes. You'd take a whiff. And you'd be like, yeah, it's it's Sunday. That's, that's so happening. So much better than waking so up much. to coffee. Yeah, so much better. And I literally would run downstairs um, and wait. My mom would dish, you know, my, my mom would dish me the meatball and have sauce. And then we'd have Pecorino and you know, some bread around the house. And that was it. I mean, that was, that was breakfast. And I had no problem with that. Wait, that was breakfast, the meatballs. Oh, yeah. And bracciol. Oh, yeah. That was breakfast as well. Sometimes, special occasions. Yeah. yeah. My mom actually made bracciol for the first time in a long time this past Christmas day. Um, And it was the best. I love that shit. It's so good. Yeah. And you just sop it up. And I I know you're Mm -hmm. a big fan of Arthur Avenue. Yes. Those sesame Mm -hmm. semolina breads. You need something on the side, but we're we're talking about like specialty items in the sense, you know, waking Mm -hmm. up and having these meatballs. 
what if you wake up and don't have anything in the house? Like, right. you, you must have staple pantry ingredients Absolutely. to kind of build this idea out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would have, in my own pantry, you always have garlic. You always have some sort of citrus. You always have olive oil um, and breadcrumbs. I mean, those are kind of always around. Um, usually, there's not a lot of meat laying around but um because you're eating that for breakfast yeah because yeah. that's, that's <laughs> happening at breakfast um but greens you know tinned fish all that kind of stuff you know i'm a big big fan of uh, having a pantry that's both accessible but mm-hmm. interchangeable mm-hmm. um you know and i remember in college how i used to cook yeah and it was you know with that kind of stocked larder but i didn't really have that much um, variety or mm-hmm. breadth of knowledge yeah. to be able to, you know, make something outside of pasta and red sauce. Sure. Uh, how did you explore that? I know you worked in restaurants yep. in Boston and mm-hmm. New York. Was it with that culinary education that you can go outside of the, you know, Sunday pastas? I think a bit. I mean, I think that a lot of what I learned in restaurants was eating sort of outside Italian food, to be honest, because it was something, you know, we ate a lot of at home. I mean, not to say my mom didn't, doesn't make a mean roast chicken. She, she does and amazing chicken cutlets again, sort of Italian, but, um, I think working in restaurants sort of ex- really woke me up to this passion that I had about food. So I, I knew that I loved food. I knew lo- I loved being around food. I knew that it was very important to my family. It's all anybody talks about, but working in restaurants, I think at the, I started when I was 17, I was a late early young college freshman really sort of opened my eyes in terms of other kind of food, to be honest. Um, and I think, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, I think that sort of plays into being able to play around with, with ingredients and, um, being exposed to different things and all that stuff. Well, I know you worked at Sonsi on Newberry street and what I always, I'm not going to say hated, but yeah, I know it was the worst or despised (laughs) or, (laughs) you know, shunned from, from that establishment was the, the ilk of people that were there. Oh, they're awful. It it wasn't because they were the worst (laughs) or I want to avoid them at every cost, Mm -hmm. but you know, you're really feeding someone just an elevated idea of something very simple. Yes. And I I think that's what you're doing here too, without Mm -hmm. the facade of Sonsi. Absolutely. I mean, I want these recipes to be, approachable for people, but I also want them to feel aspirational at the same time. You know, I mean, there's something to be said for grating zest on top of, you know, orange zest or blood orange zest or whatever the case may be, and just sort of elevating it a bit to, to your point. Another place that you worked at in Boston, which which I, I adore. Yes. Um, the Good Life. Oh. Because mm-hmm. what that was able to do is, mm-hmm. is take something comforting and mm-hmm. add this performative aspect. Yes. And having gone to Emerson and you know, mm-hmm. trying to write a one-woman show, you, yeah. you liked being at that forefront. I loved it. And that was the time. I mean, both restaurants were so amazing and special in a different way. I worked at Sansi first um, and didn't had never worked in a restaurant before and, you know, was working as a barista, as the coffee girl. and But it was behind this big, ginormous bar. And they would literally feed me, like, pint glasses of gimlets. Um, and I learned a lot, but then I went away to, I spent the semester in the Netherlands and I came back and they were just opening the good life. And it was this kind of first of its kind martini sort of jazz, you know, bar bringing back sort of the Frank Sinatra era. And, um, I was taught how to bartend, which was awesome, dangerous, but awesome. Um, but they also let me sing there a couple times, which was, which was really a lot of fun. My wife and I were joking around because you had sent me some information mm-hmm. about back pocket pasta, mm-hmm. and um, it had the word chantouse. And I'm like, yeah, 
Does she mean chartreuse? Like, no. I didn't know. And Megan obviously yes, knew and said, oh, no, ask her to sing something, which oh, no. which I may for oh, the boy. second half of this show. But again, that, that performative yeah. nature mm-hmm. uh, also instills itself in your cooking. Yes. Because I, I think Instagram is this very funny kind mm-hmm. of, you know, um, you know, element because it is performative. Yep. Uh, it's, it's detached it in a way, but it really is putting yourself out there. And. I mean, you got to have balls to do that. Yeah, it's funny. I really think about, I try to be conversational. Um, I mean, it is social media, right? So you want to be conversational, but you also want to respond to people. You know, I think through this hashtag, pe- the, the enthusiasm for it has been really overwhelming and exciting. You know, people want to create their own back pocket pastas. And it's really fun to sort of just exchange with them on Instagram about, you know, even if I don't follow them necessarily, like I'll go through and check the, the hashtag just to see sort of what people are doing. And um, I always am enthusiastic and appreciative and, you know, always give them a like and just, you know, I'm happy to see that it's being used. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that interaction is, again, something that you used to do for, you know, such chefs as Marcus mm-hmm. Sanders and Kurt Gutenbrenner, mm-hmm. Scott Conant. Yeah. And uh, how have you changed your approach since it's your own personal project? It's definitely interesting being on this side um, of the table. Um, it's sort of, you know, honing these skills for, I worked in, as you mentioned, PR and marketing for almost or over 10 years. Um, now doing it for yourself is kind of, it's fun, It's but it's weird, but it's, you've, you've learned all these tools, you've, you know, gotten these skills, and now you kind of have to turn it around and do it for yourself, which is interesting, but it's fun. Yeah. You know, uh, the buzzword is always trending. What's trending? Mm-hmm. What's hot? What's new? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you keep something trending that, you know, this book is going to come out spring of mm-hmm. 2017. Yep. Where's the steam that's going to propel it the whole? I think I think a lot of it is going to come from recipe testing, from recipe developing. You know, I have promised 100 pasta recipes. I have about 60 ideas. Um, so I need to come up with a bunch more. Um, I think travel, too. I think that um, that will be really helpful. I'm going to Mexico City on Thursday. Um, with our friend Nils, who writes about Mexico City essentially for a living. Um, he also writes about wine. So strange. But, um, so he's gonna like, you know, take us out. We're gonna go hard. We're gonna go late, but it's gonna be fun. You know, I think I was in California last week doing a dinner. I did a back pocket pasta dinner at Scribe and just kind of getting inspiration from, you know, meeting people and exploring and just, you know, seeing seeing the world. So, I mean, it's, it's crowdsourced in a sense, but like siphoned through your own perspective. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the more interesting ingredients or, you know, pasta techniques that you picked up along the way? Good question. I mean, pasta techniques, I'm pretty adamant about obviously cooking the pasta like a minute or two short of what they suggest, even if it's like al dente, and then always finishing it in the sauce. Um, I think that... I was actually emailing with my editor about this this morning. I know a lot of recipes call for a pound of pasta, but I'm more inclined to do less than that. I think three quarters of a pound kind of makes more sense. Um, and it also gives like the sauce some more coverage, you know, and it's healthier. I mean, I mean, obviously this book's not super healthy, but <laughs> if you want less pasta, more sauce. Um, but then you have the question of what the hell do you do with that last, you know, half a, a quarter of a pound rather. So, um, I'm trying to figure that piece out. Well, that's why I, I remember there are those mixed bags of pasta that you can get on the lower shelves of the supermarket. Oh, I don't you know, know about it, those. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, oh, that's back pocket. Yeah, that's that's market. Yeah. You know, you go there and yeah. you, get, you get those kind of um, amazing, like you get a gamelli with a star with a... Oh, that's hard for cooking, yeah, though. Yeah, no, it's terrible it's, for yeah, cooking. Yeah, that's a really tough. But it was, it, was, it was like half the price of all the other pastas. <laughs> 
But oh. here's how, how crazy yeah. I used to be. Yeah. Um, to save that money, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'll just buy a couple bags and I'll just pick them and separate them. Like, Sore you know, them? Like, you did not. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's like that picking is... out the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. That is amazing. It was not worth the time. That is funny. But I, I had these jars of, you know, pastas separated what? from mixed bags. That is impressive. What? So you mentioned earlier in an email to me, I'm turning the mic yeah, on you now. Yeah, do it. Do it. <laughs> that you had back pocket pasta last night. What was in your back pocket pasta? Um, some spinach. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We have this big bag of pasta, mm-hmm. um, and we pick it, or at least we did last night by putting our hand in blindly and picking oh, that's out whatever. Fun. So we had shells, uh-huh. spinach, and pesto. That and, sounds delicious. Yeah, um, but we'll come back and we'll talk okay. more back pocket pasta after the break. You've been listening to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. program is brought to you by Byright, a family-owned San Francisco-grown market. For more information, visit byrightmarket.com. Byright is a family-owned and San Francisco-grown market that is passionate about creating community through food. From organic farm direct local produce, sustainably raised meats and artisan cheeses, to food-friendly wines, house-made foods and dinners, Byright is an essential San Francisco destination for any food lover or cook. And no trip is complete without a visit to the renowned Byright Creamery and Bake Shop for a scoop of salted caramel ice cream. Now celebrating 75 years in the Mission District of San Francisco, visit buyrightmarket.com to learn more. Byright is a proud business member of Heritage Radio Network, supporting good food media from coast to coast. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with Clue Henry. Hello. And we are talking back pocket pasta. Yes, the hashtag back pocket pasta, <laughs> which you know, th- this is aside, but uh, you, you can press that hashtag on Twitter and follow the thread. Mm-hmm. And you can do it on Instagram as yeah. well, but you can't do it on Instagram on the internet. You have to be on right, the app. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I've gotten really bad about this terrible app called Iconosquare. I don't know if you've heard of it. I have. And it, you can search through there. Because, and Yes. Yeah. But it also shows you who unfollowed you. Who, oh, Lord. No, I don't, don't want to know that. I'm no. not you personally, yeah. but one does not want to know. It becomes a, an, an, its own terrible addiction. Um, we were just talking about my back pocket yes. pasta of last night. And uh, during the break, I said that I, I had some secret ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, and those ingredients are things that I like to have at the house. Yep. Just in case if my back pocket pasta night comes up. Okay. And lately I've been loving creme fraiche. Yum. I was going to bring up, um, um, Labna actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good one though. Yeah. Like but creme instead of butter too, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's amazing and it's amazing with a pesto, mm-hmm. any oil based sauce, because it extends that out in a way that it doesn't get so oily. Oh, that is a great idea. So I'm going to try that. that. I'm going to try that. Feel free. And because this is what I love too, about back pocket pasta, Wow, how many times have we said that this episode? <laughs> keep it up. Yeah, just click that hashtag. Keep on, keep, keep on getting those people. statistics yeah, and right. sabermetrics up. <laughs> um, 
is that, you know, you, you get to watch other people do this. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the more fascinating ingredients you've seen incorporated or combinations? Well, um, I've seen a lot of people actually, and maybe this is just because everyone wants to be or is going gluten-free right now, but there's a lot of people using gluten-free pasta. Um, I know it's not really a, an interesting ingredient. Um, there's been some spinach. I know you used spinach last night. Um, I'm trying to think what has sort of stood out to me. A lot of cherry tomatoes with people. Nothing crazy. Nothing like, you know. You haven't seen Peter venture into, you know, squid ink and uni no. or some Asian flavors, no. some Indian there flavors. There was one um, Asian one. I think um, uh, Bon Appetit magazine where I used to work uh, featured back pocket pasta in the February issue. And I think alongside the sidebar, there was an Asian sort of noodle dish. So someone... Not sure if they thought it was back pocket pasta, but they they Instagrammed it, and I was like, "I'll take it." It's yeah, great. yeah, bring it on. Whatever. It's, it's all a much good. bigger umbrella yeah. than you ever thought That's you right, had. Exactly. Uh, you know, you you had mentioned Scribe before mm-hmm. in a dinner that you you know did there. I've been on that hillside and yeah. at that winery, and it's just majestic and it's, it's gorgeous. And for years, you worked at Bon Appetit mm-hmm. and you know director of public relations mm-hmm. and special events. How do you want back pocket pasta? to live in the real world do you want it to be these dinner parties do you want it to be yes. what people do in a pinch i want it to be both yeah i think um ideally if you can pull together something beautiful with not a lot of fuss and feel good about serving it it's really about the people that are around the table in addition to what you're serving and it's about you know the conversations and you know the wine that's being poured so i think it's sort of a 360 situation i mean yes i want people to be able and willing and ready to go out and pull together whatever they can. But I think that um, I wanted to feel, and probably because I was at Bon Appetit for so long, I wanted to feel very food lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. You don't have to answer because you could say, no, everything I've ever made is delicious. Yeah. But what is the worst pasta you've ever made? Because I know in college mm-hmm. when I tried to call oh, from those ingredients. Actually, oh, you have it. It was really, it was bad. It was my fault, obviously, but it was a Sarah Jenkins recipe. Yeah. I messed it up. Yeah. Um, it was in her first book, and it was um, it was a fish, I think, I forget if it was a sole, I forget, or halibut, and um, lemon, and I just didn't cook the fish right. I effed it up, and <laughs> I don't know. I have, I should actually revisit it, um, but I think I just didn't, um, I didn't cook the fish properly, and it just, I messed up the dish. Not yeah. the worst, because it was, it was the worst, because I messed it up. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad on Sarah at all. No, are you kidding me? Love her. Pasta wise, uh, she's amazing. I got to photograph her and her mother's pasta cookbook coming out this fall, and so cool. We we had those shells Mm -hmm. uh, for our back pocket pasta out of that giant bag of pasta that I took home. Um, Again, the word pasta. Um, (laughs) What what I kind of love about it too is that you know it's it's such a high low. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, aside from you know having a dinner party or being able to do it in the pinch mm-hmm. it can it can be elevated by simple ingredients yes. what are some of the more expensive or kind of you know top yep. shelf things that sure you like to you know have? well i mean i think definitely seafood so i have a, a couple of crab recipe ideas that i'm sort of playing around with um and i definitely would splurge um you know maybe go to italy and buy crab that's already been picked and sorted and um i think the seafood always elevates something a little bit shrimp too um also meat i mean i don't have a lot of meat driven recipes just by nature of the book um but if i'm gonna buy meat i'm gonna buy it you know antibiotic free organic etc 
And um, there is a really cool place in Hudson actually called Talbot and Arding. And Mona Talbot makes this amazing porchetta. And I turned the porchetta into a meat sauce because we don't have a kitchen right now. <laughs> and I really wanted to make my neighbor's dinner. So I said, I'm going to make a, I want to make a meat sauce, but I don't have time. I'm not going to sit in their kitchen all day and make a proper meat sauce. But I'm going to get all the flavors from this porchetta and turn it into, you know, a faux sort of meat sauce. So it worked. Yeah. It was really good. Well, I love that you can actually do this without a kitchen. As yeah. As- <laughs> oh, I bring it everywhere. I take it on the road. Yeah, yeah. Friends of mine just had a baby. Um, I'm, you know, I got a recipe test, so I took it to them and made dinner there. So it's definitely on the road. Is it ever an in the blind? Like you don't know what's behind someone's pantry? And I want to do that. My friend Carissa Mandavi, who I was with out in Napa, she... Um, we kind of got drunk and well, um, we got drunk a lot, but um, <laughs> one night her, it was her goal to like have me just start going through her cupboards and pantry to pull something together. But we ended up ordering pizza instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I only wish that uh, it can be like a clue at the call and people oh. can actually, you know, some way get in contact with you and you're willing to come over and cook out of their pantry. My, my best friend Jason lives also in, in the Napa Valley. He lives in Calistoga. He calls me back pocket nice back pocket pasta nine one one. So he'll call <laughs> me all the time and be like, So I have this and I have this. What am I supposed to do? Should I add that? And I'm like, no, take take a step back. So he does have me on sort of speed dial for yeah. that. Uh, people should call, feel free. Yeah. Well yeah. we'll give out your number at yeah. the end of the show and everyone can just ring you up. Great. <laughs> You Happy know, to take the call. And also being in the restaurant scene for yeah. so long, what what are some of the extraordinary pasta dishes you've had here in New York? I mean, I think when I first started working in restaurant and food PR, Scott Conant um, really kind of blew my mind. It's like he was really doing different, you know, sort of taking different approaches. I mean, this is a while back now, but he really inspired me at that at that period of my life um, when he was at Alto and Limpero. Um, I'm trying to think... You know, I mean, obviously, Michael White Morea is, is breathtaking. Um, Sarah Jenkins is amazing. You know, I mean, I think there's, you know, a lot of people do. Flower and Water in San Francisco is unbelievable. I just met Thomas um, for the first time when I was out there by chance, and I got to take a tour of all the different um, spaces, which was really cool. And he showed me the pasta making room, which was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so I have a photo that I'm, like, waiting to post because they're, like, these cool little cap-looking things that he... It was, it was amazing. See, are you are you instructing people to make their own pastas? No. Or is this... No. Well, my husband actually makes the pasta, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I was actually texted him on the way over here, do you want to make uh, tortellini tonight? Because... We went to this amazing farm in uh, Ghent this weekend called Made in Ghent, which the last four photos on Instagram have all been about their eggs. They have these incredible eggs. And um, King Arthur, a friend of mine, uh, sent me some of their pasta flour. So I thought it'd be fun to sort of make some tortellini. I've been wanting to make tortellini. I don't know why. I just want been wanting to do it. So I texted him on the way over. I'm like, what do you think about doing this tonight? Yeah. And he was like... <laughs> Sure. And I was like, maybe I'll take you up on that. Then. He's much more accommodating than I am. Yeah. Because when my wife asked me, yeah. I said, oh, maybe, I don't know. And yeah. then we ended up making plain because it was easier. Yeah. But it actually was not easier. No, it's, it's, the thing is, I mean, it is made of pantry essentials. So you'd think you could have kind of put it into back pocket pasta, but let's be honest, it's a lot of elbow grease and it takes a lot of time. And actually, I like dried pasta. I think that there's certain dishes that are beautiful with fresh pasta, but I think that, you know, some dishes you shouldn't be with fresh pasta. And are there brands or types of dried pasta that you prefer? I mean, I think this book is supposed to be super approachable. So I try to kind of go to the supermarket and look at the shelves and I, you know, I use Marilla, I use DeChico or DeChico, um, Ranzoni's fine. You know, I kind of veer away from using anything too gourmet just because I want people to be able to get, get it at the supermarket. That's sort of the whole, you know, 
but concept. people are still allowed to kind of oh yeah come on bring it up yeah a notch. of course and i encourage that yes <laughs> so this last part is me gushing towards you and thanking you not oh, only no. as a back pocket pasta wizard <laughs> but also from your 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 time as PR marketing and bringing to us Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, yeah. Who's one of the sweetest guests we've ever had. Love one him of so the most much. surreal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was he was lost in a rainstorm 20 blocks right. away. And yeah. our engineer, uh, Jack, had to pick him up oh, in his hoopty. Right, right, right. And he yes. was holding what, Jack, was it? Uh, uh, a red umbrella. A red umbrella, yeah. Oh. yeah. He said he had no, no cell phone. It. He said, my cell phone will be dead. Just look for me. I'll have a red oh. umbrella. Oh, yeah. that sounds the corner. so like him. Yeah. I love him so much. But his sense of hospitality, too, oh. and, you know, pursued by Bear, mm-hmm. um, is, is so akin to this project that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to make the food and wine pairing sure. happen, but really the, the sense of, you know, hospitality mm-hmm. really encompasses, you know, what he does Absolutely. and what you do. He is one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, we're still very close. Um, we get drunk sometimes and sing musical theater numbers together um, from Oklahoma, which is really fun. Um, but he is like a really special person and really makes everyone feel comfortable and welcome and at ease. And I think that um, it's really unusual. Yeah. What is his back pocket pasta? He sent me one, actually, <laughs> because, of course, I sent an email out to get people's, you know, sort of to weigh in. Um, it was a red sauce. Um, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but I feel like I should include it because it's Kyle. Yeah. Um, but you actually made me think of something, too. There is going to be a wine component to this. Um, nothing crazy because, again, it's supposed to be approachable. But Talia Bayoki is going to pen that. Um, she's Fantastic. a really dear friend and has really been at the start of this project from the beginning and, you know, rooting me on and um, cheerleading. And um, I'm thrilled that she's going to lend her words to wine. Well, we are big fans of her and Punch and yes. everything that you are doing right now and Thank you, know, you. Just a little impatient for spring of 2017. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I don't know. But we will yeah. be participating Yay. all along the way, hashtagging our back pocket pastas, as everyone listening should as well. And Fantastic. just a big coup to you. Thank you. Thank again, you so Colleen. much for having me, Michael. Yeah. Excellent. You've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to back, have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.